loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Sarah Ann Shockley. Sarah is the author of The Pain Companion. In the fall of 2007, she contracted thoracic outlet syndrome, which is a collapse of the area between the clavicles and first ribs, and has lived with debilitating nerve pain ever since. She's been a regular columnist for Pain News Network and is a regular contributor to The Mighty, a 1.5 million member online community for those living with chronic illness and pain. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, and you can visit her online at thepaincompanion.com. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Cheryl. It's so nice to be here. Nice to have you. You know, your book touched pretty close to home, uh, as you probably are aware, since since uh, you've probably looked up this show. Uh, my first wife was had a long-term experience of cancer, and it happened to be uh, a bone... Uh, debilitating cancer, so yeah, she's quite wow. disabled, and huge amounts of pain. So you yeah. brought back all the work she did to uh, to relate to her pain, which mm-hmm. she succeeded quite well at. So thanks for reminding me of all that. Wow, I, I hope it was a uh, helpful reminder. It, yeah, it was. I actually... I, I actually appreciate remembering those experiences because they were so life changing. Yeah, and uh, and she was quite remarkable in her capacity to befriend her pain, as you mm-hmm. say. But let's start by talking about the beginning of your pathway with with pain. Here, your first um, injury, I take it. And, yeah. and diagnosis. Could mm-hmm. you talk some about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I In the fall of 2007, I was diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome, um, otherwise known as TOS. It's a collapse between the collarbones and the first rib. And the area between those two bones is fairly narrow anyway. But we have to fit the scalene muscle has to go through there, some nar- large nerve ganglia, uh, major artery and some veins. So there's a lot of things stuffing through this tiny space. And when it collapses, all of those things are effectively squeezed and creates a lot of nerve pain, muscle pain, and debilitation in the arms and hands and produces migraines and nerve pain pretty much eventually all over the body. And yeah, please. And so so at first, I imagine you just had this crushing pain. I don't know if there was an event that brought it about or if it was mystifying, but crushing pain and probably, I, I, I think of myself as someone who knows about an incredible number of, of conditions that people mm-hmm. get because of the work I do. I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, a lot of people have not heard of it and it's often misdiagnosed, um, but people get it a lot from computer use over time and that's how I got it. So you can get it from an event like an accident and you know a car accident in which you have an impact to that area but a lot of people get it from um, 
basically allowing that area to compress and collapse over time. And that comes from, unfortunately, a lot of the devices we're using these days. It's showing up more and more frequently uh, because we're crunching our top part of our chest area when we text a lot, when we type in little spaces, you know, if we don't pull our shoulders back. So I was unwittingly causing it uh, by using a non-ergonomic situation uh, at the place that I was working well, that's a that's a good kind of cautionary tale for all of us because yeah. <laughs> most yeah. people most people these days spend a tremendous amount of time in front of screens. Yeah, so it's really important to be aware of that and and you know take rest breaks and pull your shoulders back and and uh, just be really aware of not allowing that area to collapse over time. You know, Sarah, that would also imply that you were. At whatever you were doing at that time before this injury, you were working pretty intensively at it. Yeah, I was a single mom, so I worked every day um, to support us. And then I would go get my son after school right after work and, and be a mom all night and then go back and do it again the next day. So there wasn't a whole lot of room for other things at that time. Um so it's also caution for people to uh, relax and take some breaks too while they're working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, easier said than done sometimes. Yes, yeah. Some of us don't have that luxury depending on the situation we're in. And how old was your child at that time? He was 11. He's uh, now 21. So this has been ongoing for quite a long time now. Um, and he had to learn how to help me shop and do the laundry and he did cleaning and just about, every, I mean, everything that needed to be lifted, he lifted. Everything that needed to be carried, he carried. Everything, you know, opening doors, pulling out. I mean, he was amazing. And, of course, I had to train my friends, too, as best I could to help me with just carrying a plate of food was too much for me at the beginning. Um, anything with any weight on the hands and arms was incredibly painful. Plus, I, my, your, your hands and arms just give out unexpectedly. So, all of a sudden, you're dropping things. Um, because the, there's a loss of um, not just mobility, but strength in the, the just, I guess it's the nerve thing, but they just let go. So uh, he had to learn to pick up a lot of slack uh, for a long time. And he's still tremendously helpful. Um, I don't need quite as much help as I used to because I've moved out of a lot of the most acute phases of it. But um, over time, that took a long time. But he, it was a lot. It was a lot to deal with. And, uh, you know, I'm always, because I work with, with illness so much, cancer in particular, <clears throat> I'm, I'm always so aware of that an, uh, an illness or injury finds us as we are. Mm -hmm. um, so I wonder how good you were at accepting help from people before that happened. Oh, terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> Because I, you know, I, I'm like, you know, sort of the Amazon, I'm like nearly six feet tall. I was always very athletic, very strong, very independent, traveled around the world, did things in management, was one of these people that got things done, took care of things, never needed any help. Um, you know, a very independent, very resourceful. And so, wow, losing your ability to use your arms and hands. And, and I also really couldn't drive very far. It was hard to even walk a lot of the times, hard to even get out of bed. So, wow, all of a sudden, who are you? I mean, how do you deal with that? 
you're you're the one that keeps things together. And especially if you're a single parent, you're holding everything together for you and another little person. Absolutely. It's very scary. It's very uh, shocking, really. Um, and of course, when you first, when anyone first uh, is usually when we're first injured or or have a condition, we it's not chronic immediately. We usually feel, you know, we're going to come out of it. We're going right. to it. We're going to get through it. it. It's going to heal. We just do what the doctor says. It's going to be fine. So it takes a while. That you know, it could be anywhere from three months to a year. For me, it was about a year before I was told, you know, you're not coming out of this. And I was like, what? And, Are you and kidding? Getting, <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't getting better. But I just kept thinking, well, it will. You know, of course it will. I'll just be a good girl and I'll do what I'm supposed to do, and you know, and it'll be fine. And Boy, when it when you reach that stage where it moves from what we consider to be short term pain into a chronic, you know, obviously where is that line? Nobody knows. But when you really kind of realize this isn't going away anytime soon, it's a tremendous shock and a tremendous sense of loss. Absolutely, and also a tremendous adjustment in terms of uh, in the frame of reference of the people helping you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because they have to calibrate to, uh, it's not just a, uh, heroic emergency intervention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's hard yeah, it, on them. Yeah. Because there's now you're, you, you, it's not just, I can help you out, you know, while you get through this thing. Now it's like, Oh, you need help all the time. And it's, it's, um, it's hard because they, they expect you to heal too. And they want you to, of course, and if they're used to you being somebody who's really strong and healthy and you still look okay, a lot of us don't show our pain that much. We don't necessarily have something that looks like anything on the outside. Then it can be hard for them to accept it and it can be hard for them to continue to offer you the kind of, uh, kind of support you need because it's tiring for them too. You know, it's pretty exhausting and you must well know that very well. It's hard to be the one who's also there with somebody in pain. Especially because I think you'll agree, having read your book, um, that society is geared to uh, fixing things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so I think part of the emotional trouble, I know for people who were helping us and for me helping my partner, the huge adjustment was to accept the unfixable. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard because that feels like the worst thing you can do. It feels like giving up. It feels like, um, you know, uh, if we give up the battle, we give up the fight, we're, we're giving in to pain is what it feels like. Um, but there is that, there's a place in between those two, between the fighting, the fighting, the carrying on, the carrying on and giving up. There's a middle road of, of um, how do we live with it and move through it as best we can with a little more grace and a little more ease without constantly being in battle mode, high alert, but also not giving up, not acquiescing in the sense of, um, you know, we're just going to leave it, you know, kind of put up with it, be really stoic, uh, ignore it. That that doesn't always work either. So how do we be with it differently? And how do we be with each other differently while we're going through this? It's a big deal. Absolutely. So there was some period of time where you – did not have any acceptance. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> <as> I, <laughs> I think what you're talking about, in, in a sense, is acceptance. We accept the reality of what's happening, 
and yeah. then figure out how to respond to it. Yeah. As opposed to fighting with it and trying yeah. to make it go away and all of that. So how long would you say that you, beyond the point where you knew this was chronic in mm-hmm. some form or or realized it was, really took that in, how long would you say you, you, fought, you fought it? Well, I... Um... Hmm, that's a good question. I, I kind of fought it by not fighting. You know, I, I did the fighting thing that I'm going to do everything. I'm going to try all these um, treatments. I'm going to, you know, do what I'm supposed to do and and get this thing licked and conquer it for for quite a while, probably at least the first year. And um, but I, I found out pretty quickly that things that I tried made it worse. This was not a condition that lent itself to manipulation, to um, it, it, anything that that I was offered. Um, it would it would work for some people with TOS, but I had a particularly severe version, so nothing worked. So after the first year of of trying everything, and also after I was told this is going to be ongoing, I kind of went to the other end of the spectrum, which was a form of acceptance, but it was more of um, you know, the stoic kind of, okay, I'll just put up with it thing. So yeah. that I did for years. I mean, I must've done that for five years where I just thought I have, to, I'm just going to live with it. I'm going to carry on. I've got a kid. I have to somehow get up in the morning. I have to learn to live within my limits, which I did, which helped with the acuteness of the pain, brought that down. So it wasn't quite as bad, but it wasn't healing anything really. It wasn't really shifting things a lot. And it was finally after that, and I thought, man, I, I just can't keep going like this. And that's when I began to look at, there must be some other way between fighting, fighting, and giving, you know, kind of giving in. There's a kind of a passive acceptance that is where you accept it in the sense of, okay, there's nothing I can do. That's not the acceptance that I really want to advocate. There's a, there's a place that is more like allowing it to be where it already is and starting from the place. Okay. It's here. I've got to deal with it. Fighting it isn't helping, but I'm also not going to just sit down and give up either. So how am I going to move forward with this with pain, you know, rather than against it, it's in my body. It's in a sense, part of me. Uh, it's not all of me, but it's part of me. It's a, it's my body talking to me. How can I work with it? How can I move forward with it? And that took me a long time to get to, but eventually I got to the place of, okay, let's, let's make friends with pain. How do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very interesting what you're saying, because in a sense, you're saying um, that wasn't specific enough to just say, oh, okay, I'm in pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an added piece of, I'm in pain, so how do I want to respond? Or yeah, yeah, how do exactly. I want to... How, how do I want to relate to that, not yes. just sort of put up with it? Yes, exactly. Because putting up with it is a, is a different kind of putting it, pushing it away it, it, in a weird way. You're not really working with it when you're just putting up with it. It's, there's the pushing away of fighting and there's the pushing away of denying and just, oh, I'm just not going to, I can't handle this. So I'm just going to sort of, you know, put my head down and keep going as best I can. And those are both kind of not really working with it in a certain way. It's, it's, they're both pushing it away. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, I wonder what first gave you the idea 
uh, because we are, in a sense, and we're about to go to break, but this is what, what I'd like to come back to. Right. We, are, we are, in a sense, uh, waiting for an openness to another way of relating to yes. what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. And something helped you to cultivate that openness mm-hmm. before you actually got open. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I'd love to talk about that. And Great. listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America, to like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, connect on LinkedIn and all of that. And to find my guest, you can go to thepaincompanion.com. Be back soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Today's woman faces a stressful world when it comes to staying healthy. We are bombarded by media messages with contradicting ideas about fitness and nutrition. We need to keep our diet, relationships, and stress in check. It's time to get the right message and have the most fun. Join hosts Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighaus for Healthy View Radio. It's health and happiness in one show every Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Sarah Shockley, the author of The Pain Companion. Um, and before the, the break, Sarah, we were talking about that that uh, period of time. I don't know. Sometimes it's an exact moment. Sometimes it's just a evolution where you begin to uh, take in the concept that you could relate to the pain. And, of course, this applies to emotional pain as well that you could relate to it differently. Mm-hmm. Could you talk some about that process for you? Yeah. Uh, what you got exposed to that helped you starting start to consider that? Mm-hmm. Uh, what brought you to your knees, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All of those things. Well, I think it was a number of things. One is that for me, the only physical therapy that I could do that actually helped me and didn't make things worse was walking. I couldn't walk terribly far at first, but um, that was the best thing I could do. And, you know, and walking is just something that uh, lends itself to sort of thinking, you know, you just kind of (laughs) ruminate while you're walking. So I did a lot of walking, uh, a lot of not doing, um, a lot of sitting still, a lot of, I I couldn't do very much. So I was kind of left with me and me, you know, (laughs) was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, I, I didn't even have the energy to read books. I was not on the computer because the computer was what caused this problem. So I was very cut off from the world, cut off from input. And I think in a way that was strangely good for me. It was uh, odd. I, I felt very isolated and alone. And I know a lot of people in pain feel that isolation and that loneliness. But for me, it kind of forced me to go inward. There was There was no place to go. And I... Really, and I'm somebody who kind of tends to think about things anyway, thinks about alternatives to, um, you know, well, the, you know, the medical system isn't helping me and um, can't really with this condition. And I'm not a big one for taking pharmaceuticals, but what they offer didn't work anyway. So there I was, you know, without much recourse and just me with me. And I did a lot of thinking about well, how can I be different with this? If, you know, something is keeping this pain around and something is keeping this condition around, I'm doing all the right stuff. The body probably knows how to heal itself. So am I in the way? How, you know, I would just ask myself questions and think about it. And I also did some writing eventually, um, which eventually led to the book. And it was with the idea that, um, well, I, I can't, you know, really do much to move this pain on but maybe I can sort of write it out of my body. And it was kind of a ridiculous idea, really, for me, because I could barely hold a pen. I could barely move it across the paper. I couldn't bend my neck down hardly at all. But I would go sit in a really nice uh, local cafe and bookstore and um, just kind of with my little chai, take a sip, and then I might write a sentence and then stop and get up and have to walk around and then come back and Little by little, I might write a paragraph in a whole day, Um, but I wrote out what it felt like to be in pain. I wrote out my hatred of pain. I wrote out my raging against pain. I wrote out how awful it was and how frustrated I felt. And I, I found myself then addressing pain, you know, like, why are you still here? And I started writing letters to pain, like, dear fear, dear pain. Well, I did write to fear too, eventually, but, um, (laughs) 
That's your that's pain. Got to be a part of this. <laughs> that is totally a part of it. But it's like that's where it was coming from. Was also the fear of never coming out of it. So I'd write these these letters to pain. Why are you still here? Why are you you know what are you doing? What do you? And I started to ask it questions like, what are you trying to tell me? And eventually, I thought, well, what if I let pain write back? So I started writing letters from pain, and I thought, well, that's kind of I don't know if anything's going to come of that. It's just me writing to me. But in a sense, your pain is you speaking to you. It's your body speaking to you. It's some part of you that's hurting, that's asking for attention. So I had pain write back to me. And pain said some interesting things like, you know, maybe you ought to slow down. Maybe you don't want to fight me so much. Maybe you want to just learn how to breathe differently. You know, I said, what? <laughs> so, so pain then was not uh, coming to me as an adversary the way I was coming to it as an adversary. It was instead I realized, oh, pain is here to help me. Pain is trying to be a guidepost. Pain's trying to signal which way to turn here. And the more I push against it, the more I'm going to lock it in place and not be able to really use it as a guide because it's just going to be stuck in this one sort of adversarial butting heads position. You know what I'm saying? I do. And yeah. yeah. And I think that's part of what kind of uh, locks pain in place is when we get very, uh, when we have feel like we have to do the battle thing every single day. And I thought, well, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do something different here and uh, just get a little creative and maybe a little wild and, and see if pain has something to say to me. And I, I did some kind of imagina- imaginative creative stuff, too, where I would have pain sit in a chair uh, across from me. And I learned this through um, NLP techniques where you imagine that and you can also do this with yourself, sit in a pain, in a chair as if you are pain, sit in your pain and speak back to you. So um, I kind of did a little role playing with the pain in my body and I also began to imagine it like, well, what if pain came to the front door? What would it look like? Who would it be? And I was surprised that the first time I imagined that it came looking kind of like Hermes or Mercury, you know, the, 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 the Greek, I guess it was God with the, with the wings on the feet and the, the, Uh. you know, messenger God. And I thought, what? You know, because I thought it was going to come to the door looking like a demon or something. Yeah, for and, sure. and I thought, oh, my gosh. And that was the first time I kind of went, oh, pain's trying to send me messages, like kind of like duh, because that's what it is. It's a signal. It's like an, an alarm system in a sense. But we're taught that pain is wrong. Pain is bad. Pain is a mistake. Pain is something we have to stop. Pain is something we have to get rid of. We have to kill it. And so we don't stop and just listen to it. We we go immediately to let's end this. Let's get it out of our body. And that paradigm of pain is something that I would like to begin to open a conversation up around changing, where instead of we start from the place of it's bad and it's wrong and let's get rid of it, we start from the place of, oh, it's here. What does it need? What do I need? How do I need to respond to it? How can I respond to pain in a way that is most healing for me and for pain and for my body rather than having almost like two parts of yourself um, at odds because pain is part of you asking for attention and the other part of you is saying no I don't want to give you that attention shut up you know be quiet we know, get out. We, we know what, ha- what happens when we do that with little kids exactly they, they just get louder they get, <laughs> and that's exactly a, a sort of a metaphor that I use it's like 
you know, if you have a, a little kid pulling on your leg, pain is kind of like, you know, it's like, hello, hello, hello. And you don't, you can swat them away, but that's not really nice. And that's not really going to help them. And they're just going to come back. It's like, help, I need some help here. So <laughs> actually treating pain almost as if it's a little kid inside of you that sounds very strange, but you turn toward it and you get a little softer around it. And instead of wearing all your armor against it and having your sword out, you kind of put all that down and sort of squat down next to it and say, well, what do you need? And pain might say, I need to rest more. Pain might say, I need a different kind of attention. I need you to be nice to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be saying something really unexpected. And um, all of this may sound really simplistic, but it, boy, it makes a difference. It's really profound because the way we are with pain is the way we are with ourselves. And if we're pushing against the pain in our own bodies, we're fighting with ourselves on a certain level. So how do we respond differently to that message that's coming from us to us? How do we learn how to listen? How do we learn what it's trying to say? And, and that is a journey that everybody takes that's in pain. That's, a, that's an individual journey. That's something for each of us to discover what it is that pain's trying to tell us or ask of us, maybe asking us to change something very fundamental about ourselves that we'd rather not look at. There's a a lot of things that can be going on. One of the things that came up for me reading the book is a lot of time I spent with uh, Stephen and Andrea Levine. I find myself mentioning them on this show all the time because they, they were one of my ways of figuring out how to respond to my own pain differently, emotional and physical, they would do pain meditations that basically came down to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And what what I noticed doing those things, and of course my pain was not what my what my wife's was, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But but everyone has pain. Yes. Uh, whether we're paying attention or not. And what I noticed is that uh and they would say, you may not necessarily change the pain, but this is going to change everything you have built up around the pain. Exactly, exactly. And that can be incredibly healing to be with your pain differently. And I work with breathing techniques and with awareness techniques and just things that I made up, you know, to be with pain differently. Um, that can change uh, the way you're, you feel around the pain, just as you're saying. So one of the first steps is to allow yourself and allow the body to relax around the pain. So the pain may still, the pain's going to be there for a while. You know, if it's been there for a while, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to leave instantly. It's requiring something a little bit longer term, but the first step might be to just relax around it, to kind of let yourself be with it differently. It's okay. We're here together. Uh, maybe relax your breathing a little bit, maybe get a little calmer, maybe let go of some of the stress of I've got to heal today, right now, you know, hurry up, let's, let's get through this thing, which is also part of what our culture puts on us to hurry sure. up and get better. And that's a lot of pressure on people who are in pain to hurry up and get better. So we have to learn, we kind of have to train the people that are around us to stop pushing us, you know, for that. And we have to learn to allow ourselves and the pain the time it takes. And it could be longer than we'd want, but if we do allow that and we allow ourselves to relax around it a bit, it actually does move faster. It's like a paradox. You know, the more we push, the the more recalcitrant it gets, and the more we relax and say, okay, I'm going to give you all the time you need, the faster it seems to move. 
I want to say a word too, having watched someone be in uh, bone and nerve pain for yeah. 10 years, the physical condition got worse and worse. Yeah. And it wasn't going to get better. Yes. Um, however, the capacity of my wife to have her life, to not be in a fight with pain, to allow it its space, mm -hmm. to listen to it, you know, at a certain level, she'd go yes. to bed. Uh, she, she wouldn't push herself past that point. She got yeah. very good at reading her pain. Mm -hmm. Is this something that I can go on and it does no harm? Right. Or is this something that I'm going to pay for for a week if I... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, um, so I would say pain became less and less of a vital factor in her life. Yeah, yes. Uh, and and there's that too. Even if, even if your pain does not remit. Exactly, yeah. Uh, being yeah. able to, to practice being with it is still incredibly useful. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I talk a lot about. I, I can't promise. I don't know how to get everybody out of pain. I wish I did. And if anybody did, we, we, we would flock to them and we don't, you know, we'd love to that have that. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is a multi-level thing. It's a, it's a, um, it involves the whole person. It's not just a physical, you know, when you're in chronic pain, it affects more than just the physical body. And it's goes way beyond being just a medical condition it really affects the whole person and so I just feel that in working with pain and in learning how to live with it is, is one of the things not learning how to put up with it but learning how to be with it differently can help make life easier as you're still in it you know you may be in it for a while but you don't have to be totally at the mercy of it and you don't have to be exhausting yourself with fighting it all the time um, yeah, I totally agree with everything you, you said. It's so important. I, in fact, when my, when my clients have, uh, injuries that are, that are going to get better, mm -hmm. uh, I, I find myself encouraging, encouraging them to practice, you know, practice being helped, practice being with your pain in a different way, because eventually you'll need that. Yeah. <laughs> in one way or another, whether it's physical or emotional. Exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. Because I've learned that um, living with chronic physical pain is very similar to living with chronic emotional pain. And they often do go hand in hand, too. We are, A lot of emotions come up, very challenging emotions come up with living with physical pain. But the idea of being with pain and allowing yourself to be in it and feel it is similar with emotional and physical pain. It's a similar approach. In fact, they're exactly the same because in my mind, emotions live in the body. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One, th one thing that surprised me after my wife died and my own grief was how physical it was. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't in a mental fight with it, so I could notice that more. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd already learned not to fight with it and just be with it. And it was just very physical yeah. all through my body, different yeah. places at different times. So I really feel there's virtually no difference. And the, the way that our heads kind of jabber at us about it is mm -hmm. not that different either. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, what did you do wrong that this is happening? Right. Uh, you know, how are you going to fix it? Right. How, how could you let this so happen? Yes, you know, exactly. All those terrible self-messages, virtually yeah. the same. 
Absolutely. And people in, you know, yeah, yeah, people in chronic physical pain, we feel a lot of shame and guilt for being in pain. We feel a lot of sadness and loss. A lot of us feel depressed a lot of the time. We don't even necessarily recognize how bad we feel all the time because we're, the pain is kind of focused in the physical aspect because that is so intense that we almost sometimes don't notice the other pain that's right there with it. And it is almost right. the same thing. But, um, yeah, there's there's a whole lot of um, loss and sadness and grief, absolute grief that comes with living with chronic pain for the loss of the life we could be living. And a lot of us feel like we're losing our future as well. Absolutely. And, of course, there's also economics involved here. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I, I have two friends that are debilitated by ongoing, unremitting pain. Yeah. They can't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they both happen to be partnered, which is the way that they're surviving. Wow. But, um, you know, how do people not just get completely uh, undone and, and uh, terribly worried yeah. when they don't? have the resources to make the space for their pain that's yeah. another aspect oh, here isn't it it's it's so demanding all of this is is an it's an incredibly it's it's actually like a, a almost its own kind of spiritual path you know because it's so demanding to be in pain and to also somehow find a way to be in balance with yourself and with the with life and with all the de- demands and financial demands are huge I mean, you know, a lot of us can't work and we we don't necessarily have a lifetime of savings, you know, that we can rely on and we have to scramble to figure out what's going to happen and we have to go through the disability process, we have to go through some kind of insurance process or workman's comp or whatever. And all these things are incredibly stressful and very and hard to do when you're very not well. Very but hard that to deserves do. I think that deserves more time, Sarah. So let's come back to it after the second break. All right. Okay. And listeners, you can go to my website, weatheringgrief.com. You can go to the Good Grief host page to find out more uh, about me and what I do. And to find Sarah and her book, you can go to thepaincompanion.com. Back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent 
inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand. All from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Sarah Shockley, the author of The Pain Companion. And Sarah, before the break, we were just talking about the incredible impact of, uh, of resources and economics and, and also human resources. Uh, if, I, if I look at the pain and illness story of my wife, for instance, she was very lovable. She had a lot of friends. They were an incredible resource to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, she could never work again yeah. when, after this diagnosis. So, you know, 10 long years. One and a half years, they didn't know what it was, but she still couldn't work. And then eight and a half years of knowing what it was and not being able to work. If she hadn't had me, she would have been on the street, literally. Wow, yeah. Uh, So that's just such a major component. And I, I wonder how you think that affects people's ability to do what we're talking about to be with the pain, to give it some space to talk to you, to listen, you know, all of that to me takes space and time. It does. And you really kind of have to make that for yourself. We don't have a very good, I feel system for, for, for really healing, at least in, in the United States. Um, We, we, we push everything, we rush everything. We, but then we also, um, put so much on the person who's trying to heal, to show up to hearings, to fill out forms, to, you know, worry about um, their treatment and, and what might work or not work and uh, whether they're going to get covered by insurance or whether they're going to get disability or not. And 
there's a some kind of mythology that somehow it's easy to get on disability. It is not. It's oh very gosh, long, it's so very difficult. difficult process. Very long. It takes lawyers. It takes hearings. It takes the person in pain has to go through so much stress and turmoil and worry. And this is a part of living with pain that many people who aren't in it don't know about, that we wake up in the middle of the night with panic attacks, that we, you know, all day long, we might be under tremendous amount of fear and stress just for the financials, as well as just the basic, how am I going to get through a day? How am I going to take care of my children? Am I going to end up on the street? How, you know, what's going to happen in the future? Am I going to come out of this? Is this treatment going to make me worse? Is it going to make me better? Am I going to lose my friends? I mean, we have, and some friends do go away and some friends stick around, but there's a tremendous amount of change that goes on and tremendous amount of loss and readjustment. And it is very, very, very demanding. And it's demanding to be in that and, and meeting all of that. And then also to try to find a positive way to be with it. I totally understand that. That's why it took me such a long time to come to it myself. And I just came to it because nothing was working and I was really exhausted. And for me, the changes have been around, um, learning how to live a lot more simply. I've had to do that and learning how to what I call being more Zen about things, just uh, letting go of a lot of things. I, I don't necessarily want to let them go, but I've had to let them go. A lot of activities, a lot of keeping up with people that I just can't do. I've had to tell people that I can only come for a certain length of time to something, you know, in something like a dinner party or something. Or people ask people to drive me places. A lot of times you have to remind the people around you that you're still in pain. And we don't like to have to do that. But, you know, um, people kind of figure that after a certain length of time, you must be better by now. And maybe you're not. And that's hard on everybody. So it's, it's, it is really incredibly demanding. There's a lot of stresses and a lot of fears that come up. Have you come up with any, um, you know, you're saying reminding uh and you're also saying people just figure you're out of pain by now. But I think that's also a matter of adaptation. Mm-hmm. That when when a reality, and I notice this with cancer a lot, when a reality is the same, when there's a plateau, yeah, we, we put it in the background. We stop paying any attention to it, and yet it's affecting everything. Yeah, and, yeah that's uh, true. I, I end up you know, reminding people, hey, you're dealing with this diagnosis. That's why everything's so hard, right? Yes, we, right. We right, Even exactly. we ourselves kind of forget yeah. it, you know? Well, we, we kind of, we, we're taught to minimize our pain in this culture, I feel. We're taught to not talk about it, not show it, not, you know, put it on anyone, whatever. So we minimize it to ourselves as well. And we, we kind of tell ourselves, well, it can't be that bad. Maybe you are making it up. Maybe, you know, we kind of get, get, um, down on ourselves for for not fixing it, for not being better already. And I think part of the healing process is to let go of that too, to let go of the timetable, whether it's your timetable or somebody else's timetable for healing or your doctor's or anybody's. Your body's got its own ideas about that. And the best way to support it is to kind of let go of some of these ways that we put stress on ourselves to heal faster or to be different or when we come up with this self-recrimination and this guilt and shame about being in pain. So, yeah, it's tough. And and it's a kind of our job right now is to learn how to be with ourselves and with pain differently. And it's not easy. I would never say it's easy. Right. I, 
I'm just curious how you find yourself reminding your friends, for instance, that this is still a factor, a major factor in your life. I will just gently, um, I don't, you know, I'm one of these people that, that doesn't like to talk about it a lot. And I think a lot of people in pain would prefer not to talk about it. But I will just say, hey, would you would you be willing to carry that for me? And and would you be willing to, you know, can you, I just ask them for the little things I need in the moment. And they're always fine. They're always like, oh yeah, but they just forget because, you know, they're used to me being around and they just sort of, they don't have to deal with it. So it's, um, it's just something that you're saying, you kind of almost normalize it and forget. And it's like, yes, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still in pain. I still need you to open the car door or pull that bag out or whatever. And I just gently ask them, you know, in the moment. So, so that what that implies is that one of the ways that you've come to a greater peace is to come to a greater sense of comfort with needing and asking for help. Yes. And we had talked about that. And, and um, yes, it was really hard for me to learn how to ask for help. That was really difficult. Um, and, and we are a little bit shamed for needing help too. And uh, we're, we're supposed to be very independent and we're supposed to be able to do everything. And we're supposed to be strong in our culture, men and women both. And um, to have to ask for help is, is really hard. And you can start, you kind of have to train yourself. You start with little ways. Could you please, hey, would you, can you pick that up for me? Would you mind, you know, doing this, doing that? But a lot of times our friends are actually happy to help. They just don't know how. So uh, I tell people to kind of, you know, keep a list of things that you need help with. And, uh, you know, if somebody offers, have it ready. Say, yeah, you know, what would really help me is if you go shopping with me. And they might be surprised, like, you need that kind of help? Because they don't think, they don't know that shopping is, like, really hard right. for you. No, right. Who thinks that's hard? And so you may have to tell them what you need help with and kind of do, do it, you know, so you don't wear one person out. You kind of, you know, spread out the help you need. But, I, you know, I've had people come and, and mop my floors for me and clean my bathroom at different times and, and, uh, and do the laundry for me when my son wasn't available and I would just say, well, you know what I really need? I really need somebody to, I can't clean and look at my house. That's why it's dirty. Can you, you know, <laughs> because, you know it's like easy explanation. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't vacuum. I can't sweep. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and do whatever you want. That would be fun. Would it be fun for you to rake the leaves? You could do go, that. Go on yeah. ahead. Yes. <laughs> and people actually, a lot of times, you know, they feel good about giving something substantial to you. So, so I would be less shy about asking, you know, try to learn how to be less shy about it. And always, of course, be absolutely grateful and thankful for whatever they do to go out. Well, of their that's life. the ticket, yeah. isn't it? You know, I'm before before I let you go. I just want to we we alluded a little bit to your son, mm -hmm. and it made me think of my own children who went through this illness with us, mm -hmm. and uh, they're really they're really remarkable people. Partly because of that experience, I feel that's true. It's true. It's not uh, what I would have asked for. But that's absolutely true. Um, my son has, he's an only child. And a lot of times with only children, they don't necessarily learn to think about other people very well. It's kind of a natural uh, sometimes occurrence with that. And boy, he's turned into this really lovely, kind, compassionate young man. And I think that, well, I more than think, I am quite certain that it, a large part of it was because he had to be there for me in ways that he wouldn't have been and learn to 
you know, think of somebody other than himself in a very real way. It wasn't a made up chore or a, you know, I think it's hard sometimes we have, we make up things for our kids to do to make them feel responsible, but this was not made up. It was very right. really real. You it know? was vital. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty yeah. vital or mom wasn't going to yeah. make it. So um, I, I really see that in him now because it's been 10 years on and he's now 21. And he's quite a remarkable, lovely young man with a real sense of himself. So yes, these things are really awful when we have to go through them. And yes, I have felt so sad about missing out on certain aspects of his childhood that I would have loved to have been more engaged with. And yet, wow, there's some unforeseen gifts in this. Who would have known? And again, we don't plan it this way. We don't particularly want it to be this way. And yet, here we are humans on this path of life, and we're going to run into pain at some point. It's going to be emotional, or it's going to be physical, or it's going to be both. And it's all about how are we going to respond to it? Not if it's going to happen, but how are we going to respond to it? Yeah. One, and, thing I, yeah. one, one thing I noticed about my own kids is they're never saying, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. When, when someone in their life is having a rough time, mm. they're yeah. usually very quick to reach out. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I think there there's a comfort, isn't there, in sort yeah. of, uh, you've been there before, it's not the freakiest thing ever. Yes, yes, <laughs> You know, exactly. if someone's having a rough time, you've, you've lived in that, and it's livable. And Yeah, yeah, and, and it gives them a certain kind of resource within themselves that they wouldn't have had. A resource for, oh, this does happen in life. You know, life isn't just sailing down the road and you get straight A's in school and then you go have a career and then everything's wonderful. But we go up and we go down and we go up and we go down and and they learn that earlier. I think it gives them a resourcefulness inside themselves that they wouldn't have otherwise had. That's a great, great place to end the day, Sarah. I want to thank you so much for being with me. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it, Cheryl. Thank you. And I hope people will go see thepaincompanion.com. It was a great Great book, really, really useful uh, for any kind of pain, physical or emotional. And I wanted to mention before I get off the air today, listeners, that I have written a novel. It's being published by Sapphire Books in September, September 1st, 2018. If you want to have updates about where you can find it and book readings and all the rest, please sign up for my email list. I'll be sending out notices uh, all along the way in the next several months. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.